You're listening to The Damn Good Podcast with Edward Quirt, the go-to resource to help you navigate the murky waters of the new music business. friend of mine, Charles, recommended that you would come onto, onto the podcast, and I'm pleased to have you on. So please introduce yourself to, to us. Uh, yeah, I am, I'm Joshua Taylor. Um, I've been an audio engineer and a mixer for a while. I'm also a solo artist, so um, juggling a lot of things. Um, I've been working in New York at the power station for the last 18 months. Um, before that, I went to Berklee College of Music. Um, before that, I went to university in Scotland to do philosophy and then changed that completely. Um, so yeah, that's, that's about, about that's it. That's the first thing I wanted to ask because you don't, you don't sound like, like you're from, from Berkeley originally. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> How come? How did you decide to, to go to, to the US and study there? Yeah, so I, I was originally a drummer and my drum teacher in Northumberland, a guy called Jeff Hutchinson, has sent quite a few people to, to Berkeley and um, they'd all had such great experiences that it was kind of seen as the pinnacle for his students who really wanted to do so, something in music. He, he suggested if you can go there and obviously there's a lot of barriers to going there, which I'm sure we'll get into, um, then it's a fantastic place to be. And so I delayed it for a while, but eventually I realized that really that was, it was just where I wanted to be. So you wanted to be a musician all the time, but you did study philosophy in the first place. Yeah. So I actually, I was in a band when I was like 13 and I think, you know, a lot of people got into recording that way. And I got my first, um, you know, like little pre-sonus fire pod thing. <laughs> um, I think, I think it came with Cubase. Um, and I basically recorded my band terribly. Um, and did it all the way through. And I, I loved playing with, with the band. And so I, I've always had both strands going because I've always been the one interested in the, the audio technology bit of it as well. So yeah, I've, I've been a musician since about 13, really. Right. Why did um, you study I, yeah. philosophy though? Was it, was it uh, conscious decision <laughs> or just, you just went with the flow? It was actually a pretty last minute decision. Um, I, so the band I was in, won a national competition and we got offered some like a, a contract at the end of that competition. Um, but the rest of the band didn't really want to be musicians. <laughs> so they, so, so it, it kind of fell upon, okay. Um, we're all going to university. We're not continuing with the band and philosophy was, was always my favorite subject. Um, I love, I love philosophy. Um, and even at the end of philosophy, it wasn't obvious that I was going to do music. I did look at other avenues, but, I just, I couldn't get rid of the niggle that uh, I had to really try, try the music thing. Jesus Christ. I hope it doesn't happen that, that often. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Google, fix your shit. Seriously. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, do Skype. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get sponsored by Skype probably because I'm going to do, do everything on Skype. And then <laughs> once I become big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Google, please. I pay you six bucks a month. Please <laughs> fix your shit. <laughs> so, it might, it might have, it might have something to do with the fact I'm in a bond. I'm not gonna lie. You never know. 
what is what is the space? Is it is it a studio or is it just for you, for you two? Um, or do you actually have it's... have cows there and pigs and internet? I have cows, pigs, and the internet. Um, it's actually <laughs> it's actually my family's farm, but this is like an abandoned building. So I'm kind of currently setting up a little studio for myself here, but it's a long way from actually being one currently. Right. Um, well, so least, that's the at least you got some space. I mean. It's a great space. It's just uh, it's pretty raw at the minute. Yeah. Well, I would love some yeah. space in, in in like a rural area outside of Berlin. Yeah. That'd be nice for sure. So yeah, think, <laughs> let's get back in... to <laughs> excuse me. Let's get back to to the juicy topic. Um. So you went to the U.S. to study at Berkeley. Yeah. And. How hard was it to get from Scotland, right? Yeah, I was in Scotland. Yeah, so you need a lot of paperwork and money as well. So how did you manage to do that? How did you decide yeah. to, to to get into, like, hey, I need to go to Berkeley right now because that's the best school? Bye. Essentially, yes. And it was the only place that I actually um, applied to because I knew that I wanted to do audio engineering and it's got such a heavy audio engineering um department that that's really what I wanted to go do. I did learn once I got there that uh, you have to wait a little bit to actually start doing the engineering, which was annoying. But, uh, you know, you have to you have to jump through the hoops. But it actually wasn't that hard to get there once the after the audition, the audition's pretty brutal. Um, I went Is down to Yeah, I went down to London. Um, and you, I basically just played drums for them uh they make you sing a little bit uh, they were really nice nice people but you know they, they put you through your paces and then you know a month or so later they let you know and then once they let you know the visa stuff's actually easy to get in because you know they want you to come over there and start studying so it actually wasn't that hard other than a reasonably scary trip to the u.s embassy so what about the the money part because as far as i know it's not as as affordable to say at least to get to get into <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Berkeley. <laughs> so how it's did you a, manage to, a... to get the park going? Did you did you get any help from your parents' side? Did you had some savings yep. already? Or is it a combination of all of those things? Maybe a grant? So so all of the above and a scholarship. Um and then also once I got there I got more scholarship. Um so the it is you know you're being polite there, it is very expensive. It is. Um, It's very expensive. So really you have to aim to get some of the scholarships and really you have to, you know, you need, you need a bit of support unless you're getting some, you're getting one of the full scholarships, which I do know a, a few people who have them. Um, How do you get those? They are, you are incredibly good. Um, and I, I know a couple of people who actually in New York, who were my friends there, who were on full scholarship and good Lord. They're uh, incredible players. Can you get a scholarship as a as an engineer as well? Yeah, so that was the second scholarship I got. Um, so once you're there, you get performance-based scholarships. Um, and depending on what major you're in. So if you're in music education, you could get one for being really good at music education. Um, but I got one in the production and engineering department. So, so really it, it's... Once you're there, if you can get there, it then can become easier to stay there um, because they, they do reward the students who 
put a lot in. But who who does that? Who's giving out the the scholarships? It's it's once you're there, it's the it's the faculty. Um, so there'll be a number of awards. Uh, some of them have names, like you might get the Vic Firth Award, or if you're in engineering, you might get the uh, Tech Tech Awards Award. <laughs> um, so it's down to the faculty, I think, to nominate people that they think have performed well. Yeah, can you actually apply yourself for for a scholarship, no. or is just they pick you? They pick you. As far as I know, I think there's a few in in the music business department where you have to write essays and stuff like that. Um, but that that isn't true of of production. Hmm. Interesting. So, first of all, congratulations for getting a scholarship because I'm not sure everyone's getting one. Then then it would be actually no. pretty easy. So, congratulations on that. <laughs> and for those people who don't know, like for us Europeans, is like, okay. Berkeley is a name for sure. Since we don't have a Berkeley here in Europe, as far as I know, um, that's there's that, now a there's Berkeley Valencia now, um, but it only does master's programs, I think. Right, but still, um, if people hear things like if you go to this private university and you pay eighty to three hundred thousand dollars for three years of studying and then you get your master, uh, like bachelor's degree and you're fresh out of college and a job is not guaranteed. Um, mm -hmm. Most Europeans would say you're crazy. Not you, but like <laughs> whoever goes and, and does that or Americans in general, because y you know, like you're from Europe as well, more or less from, from the continent. So, yeah. you know, our universities are pretty much free in a sense that people pay for them by paying taxes. So you, only, only thing you're paying paying is like 500 euros um, yeah. per semester for the ticket um, for public transportation, whatever. So what is your thought on, on that? How do you reconcile? Like what, what is the ROI for you? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, British universities are no longer that cheap. Unfortunately, it's now 9,000 pounds a year, um, which isn't Berkeley level, but it does put you know, it, it stops some people going. But totally. I, I think, I think really there's, I think there's a couple of ways to look at it. I mean, if you're thinking, okay, am I going to gain percentage wise, um, you know, a higher wage after going to Berkeley than before? I mean, yes, you might, I'm sure on average people do. Um, but I don't see that as why you go because you know, even just to, if you don't have a scholarship and you don't have help, paying back that Berkeley loan is going to take your life. Um, but equally, I, th I think you can make the same argument with, okay, if you're having to pay, um, you should you go for maths instead of English if you love English? Because, you know, a maths graduate, I'm sure, has a higher return on investment than an English student. But it doesn't make the actual study of the um, subject any less worthwhile. And, it, and if, you, if you're not careful, if you, if you start to suggest that it is, then you end up with only having business students and math students or whatever the world ends up pushing towards. Um, having said that, I don't think that you, get, that you don't get a return on investment from Berkeley. Um, it's very much a get what you put in university. They, they certainly won't force anything on you. 
Um, but if you want, there is 24 hour access to the studios. You know, you've got every major console that you might work on. Um, and I think most, and most importantly, I think the faculty are wanting to help you once you get out. Um, and as, as much as I'd like to put, um, any sort of minor success after college that I've had on me, um, mostly I, I got the job through Berkeley connections. Right. Um, that's what so, I've, so excuse me if I, um, stop here. That's what I've been thinking about. I, I didn't go to, to a college for, for anything in regards to music. I mean, I did study yeah. piano. I still do up until now. Uh, this is more privately, mm -hmm. and I didn't go to uni for for music. Um, I still do full, work full time though. That's okay. Yeah. But I think of it as like I I was and I am kind of not envious, a little bit jealous of of, of those people who, who have the opportunity to to live that university life that that you always see in, in movies. You know this this yeah. university life, university parties. And then having those, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm 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 kind of jealous a little bit. It's it's just my my yeah. because I missed it. I didn't have this this period. I just went say from from sky high school into like grow up and and like get your money and freelancing. Yeah, um, with yeah. like diff 100 different jobs in between. So I did everything from washing dishes to doing like websites and SEO. Uh, but I, mm -hmm. I did miss that college period. Um, and I, I wouldn't have the possibility to do that here in Berlin because I don't respect those schools that do offer that for like privately for money. So like SAE yeah. and the Abbey oh, Road yeah. Institute, I don't respect them as much. So I wouldn't pay 15,000 euros for like two years as far as I know. And yeah. the degree being worth nothing and the music industry in Berlin uh, or Germany in general is kind of not even a, like a fraction of what it is in the US right now. It's, it's a joke really, in my opinion, and everything is monopolized and closed off. So you can't, it can't, cannot get into studios and work at studios at all. Super, yeah. super hard to do that. Well, so I, th I think that, that was a big part of my decision in that I kind of felt if I was going to pay for, for it and, you know, have take that risk then in my mind at the time Berkeley was really the only place that I would do it um otherwise as far as I could see I would I would be almost as good just trying to start um whether that's true or not I've got absolutely no idea but that's I, I justified that in my mind and that in in my mind Berkeley was the pinnacle of production courses um if I if I can do it that then then I will yeah and in, in and some I, way I it I is. I certainly haven't regretted it. Yeah, in some way it is. I mean, it is the most expensive, but also one of the best in that regard. So you're getting your content there for sure. And you get the connections and you get the, the access to the tools that you need. So, I mean, yeah. how often did I actually touch an SSL console and work on it? Maybe three times, four times in total. I know. So yeah. I mean, it, it, it does spoil you a little bit though. It does. It, um, it really does. I mean, I mean like they, they don't have mid range consoles. <laughs> in, you know, yeah. But on the other hand, uh, the argument being is I know a lot of people who went to those universities and they came out and first of all, they're not as good as they could be mm -hmm. potentially. 
and they know yeah. nothing about business. So they are out of, they're pretty much fresh out of college. They have some knowledge, but they cannot go out and get a job or like do online stuff like I do and earn a living. Yeah. Almost none of them. All the people who reach out to me and to my DMs on Facebook and Instagram, they say like, hey, like, are you working full time? Like, yeah. And they're like, how did you do that? Like, teach me. How did how did you get and like, cool, what can you do? And they're like, hey, I studied um, there and there. I'm like, didn't, didn't they teach you how to get a job? And they're like, no, we didn't do that. Nope. And like, <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of that too. And, and while me being jealous of this romanticized, um, like childhood kind of, not childhood, but it's yeah. adolescence, college period um, that I missed um, those seven to five years, um, I hustled and I, I built up a platform, build up a, a an actual business that, that I'm working on in yeah, well, every, well, every well, day. The, the, plat the platform you've got online is is pretty amazing, really. I mean, Charles introduced me to it, but you have so many facets to you, your business. It's a uh, it's incredibly impressive and I thought a good blueprint for people wanting to freelance. Yeah, thanks a lot. Although I didn't have my I did have my um mentors as well. Maybe not directly, but I had a lot of people who I'm looked looked up to and still look up to. Daniel Grimmett being one. Um a lot of people know him. Um shout out to Daniel and a bunch of other guys. So kudos to to those to those guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, so there's always two ways of doing so. In general, for you, it was 100% worth it, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just wouldn't have got that job if I hadn't done it any other way. Um, and also, I think something you've been touching on is the whole college period. And I actually, I went to Berkeley a bit older. So my experience at Berkeley wasn't a partying culture at all because of the you know the the weight of the fact I knew that there was this amount of money going into it and really this wasn't about going to college for me it was about trying to get it done as fast as possible and get as much out of it as possible right um so I had a very different experience I think to a lot of people who who go to <laughs> yeah Berkeley. as I said it's it's a romanticized version of me I like I just it's just imagine or wanting it to yeah. be that way <laughs> I mean it's very different and very far from reality because those people who who do go to college, um, be it here. And I also went to college for like two semesters and I dropped out um, studying computer science. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I could <laughs> I could have been like a programmer, but nah. Um, but like <laughs> my wifey, actually she's studying um, business right now. And all those people I know from, from the US who, who study biology or whatever, they're dying every day. They're like, this is so fucking hard. And I, I, I feel them. I mean, it is, it, it's a struggle. Yeah. It's not me, but you know, you know how as a European or I was born in Kazakhstan, it's, it's even worse. And if you look, I used to, to watch those movies and you see like college, US college life, you know, um, <laughs> like this, this uh, cheerleading and like football players. And this is like, man, this, this is this is such, such an awesome place to be in, you know? Of course, yeah. it, you learn you learn stuff um, on top, but I guess it's my little romanticized version of of yeah. No, best I mean times. it's 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 not actually untrue of a lot of colleges. Um, 
Berkeley, unfortunately, doesn't have an American football team <laughs> and, and cheerleaders. Um, not not the greatest bunch of athletes at Berkeley College of Music. Um, yeah. So it's 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 definitely a weird one, but but you're not that far off, I think, from a lot of American college experiences. That would have been nice, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> it, it is what it is afterwards. So you is, yeah. you said you wouldn't get that job, yeah, if you didn't go to to Berkeley. So what job uh, for all of us? Yeah. So I've been working at Power Station, um, which is a, a major studio in new york it's beautiful beautiful rooms. facility yeah it used to be called avatar which some people might be more familiar with um but before that it was called power station again um so it's been around since the 70s um i think Tony 70, bon 77 Jovi. 77 there you go you, you know more than me about it um yeah <laughs> so i i got i got brought in um i was actually the only member of staff at first, other than the main engineers, because they had house engineers who've been there since 77. Right. Um, main guy's called uh, Roy Hendrickson. He's a really, really nice guy and a great, great teacher too. Um, so it was pretty hectic at the beginning. It was a lot of um, me and a, a guy called Ian Kagey, who is now running the the operations side of it. He's also a great engineer. Um, you know, try, trying to get it keep it running and eventually it got fully staffed um i i assisted some you know some crazy sessions and it, it's that kind of thing you know uh, you're not in charge of the session but you get to see some some wild people and crazy setups come in and you know the biggest names in engineering and i guess that's the toss-up that you have with um freelancing is that you know freelancing you're much more in control and you've got your own artists and stuff which you you don't have and and i do miss that but i miss that about you know assisting on major yeah. sessions um but equally you, you learn a lot too yeah the amount of knowledge that's being dropped on you on a daily basis is is amazing because you see all those huge huge names in the industry and huge artists as well like bruno mars sting those guys record at your studios and if you get to know those guys this is also also connections in the end you might like shake hands it afterwards and like talk and <laughs> yeah, yeah again it it has its downsides and upsides as well but it's definitely prestigious as well if you if you want to see it from that way i'm i'm by no means a guy who, who's getting intimidated by big names or the like prestige quote unquote like whatever the fuck it is in the end but still <laughs> still i mean it's cool you, you can drop the the power station bomb <laughs> from time to time like <laughs> yeah well i i don't i don't think it's even i don't think it's even that i think yes i mean you do see a lot of famous people and people will you know that's kind of cool it's nice to go home and say oh this person came in but i mean the, i think the real value in it was you know you learn how a multi-room facility works you you do sessions that have, you know, 250 inputs. I mean, you just can't have those sessions anywhere else. I mean, um, Ian, who runs the facility, tied um, all four of the studios together and Disney's Frozen did 250 people. Sim in all simultaneously. Four. Simultaneously. And it's, it's that kind of like just crazy stuff that, you know, you, you can't learn. Yeah, it's just a different different job. scope. 
it's just a different is, scope yeah. overall. So how did you get the job right out of college? Did you just um, so so I used to work. I worked whilst I was at Berkeley because, uh, as you say, it's expensive. So I worked the whole time, <laughs> um, and I, I worked for a guy called Panos who um, founded Sonic Bids. Um, he was running the Institute for Creative Entrepreneurship, and so I was his assistant um, for that. Right, and he knew he knew I liked engineering and stuff, and he basically got me into a party um, at the power station, <laughs> and then and then was like take it from there. Um, and I found Ian, and um, I went. I said, Ian, if you need any help, I'm a recent graduate. Um, from Berkeley, I'm willing to do anything you need to help. Um, just give me an email. And I didn't hear anything for a couple of weeks, so I presumed I hadn't got it. Um, but then he, he emailed me back being like, basically, could you start tomorrow? Um, so yeah, it was it was just, you know, good fortune, um, getting, getting to know good people, um, and then just being willing to put yourself out there because, you know, at the party, it wasn't, you know, it was, I was about 30 years younger than anyone else in the room. And it was, you know, it's reasonably daunting trying to stay there long enough talking to people without, you know, being like, bloody hell, this is, uh, you know, no, no one really wants to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it's putting yourself out there like that, which is very against my nature. I'm, that's out of my comfort zone yep. completely. Same here. We are we we guys behind the tables. We're all introverts. Yeah. As far as I seem to be charismatic online, I'm super like introvert and like don't touch <laughs> me. So I, I feel you, man. So you you mentioned actually one interesting point of of there being a lot of guys in their fifties and sixties, and I have yeah. a lot of people whom I talk to who are not even artists, but mixing, mastering engineers and like session players. And they tell me they feel too old to put themselves out there and like to be successful in that in that business. I'm like, mm. how can you feel old if the best guys are in their 60s and even be beyond that? Like, yeah. how can you feel old? I mean, you may be too old to be a teeny, uh, I don't know, like teen star, like like Justin Bieber, but do you really want <laughs> that in the first place? If you want to make a living and be and be Madonna's still doing it, I don't know. Right, and she's how old? She 150. <laughs> yeah, <don't> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I, I think um, you know pe people who are a little older obviously have a certain weight of respect about them, even when you don't know whether they have the experience behind them, and I think that can't help but aid you um, in in music. I mean, especially because everyone's used to you know the older guys being behind the mixing board yeah but still everyone who's listening if, if you're like 27 28 30 and you feel like you're too old like ask yourself too old for what and that's just being a, <laughs> a side point that i want to touch on just because you mentioned it no I, I totally i totally agree what would you do if you didn't get the job right away because there was like you said um pretty lucky constellation of of yeah factors of events well, I mean, so actually I had a, a small space in Brooklyn where I was producing artists, um, just people that I'd met um, online. I did a little bit um, and I'm also an artist myself. So I, I write a lot of songs and I produce my own stuff and I mix my own stuff. So 
you know, I have, I have a lot of things going on and then that job kind of, kind of, you know, I was, I was looking for jobs as well. And then that happened, but I didn't stop the producing and the being an artist. I mean, I, I during the, the summer, I went on a three month tour, um, of the U S with a, with an Australian band. Um, I, you know, I, I produced for a Broadway singer. I did one of his, he's trying, he's doing more of a pop thing on the side. Um, produced a song for him. Um, you know, I've been trying to keep things going because, um, right now, actually the power station has shut down temporarily. I, I don't know whether you know this, but it's, it's shut down for about 15 months for renovations. So what are you doing? Um, so, meanwhile? so I was planning on staying in New York, obviously, because that's where all my connections and friends are. Um, not to mention my girlfriend. Um, but the, my O one visa actually got denied. Um, which was pretty terrible timing with the government shut down and you know just the politics of the world currently. Um, so I'm I'm back in the UK, um, and I'm I'm going to be doing basically what I uh, was doing in New York. Um, I do have the goal of getting back to New York. I I really like it as a city, and it's you know I know I know a lot of cool cool people there. Um, but in the in the meantime, until I get that visa situation sorted out, I'll uh, I'm going to be set up here in yeah. the UK. Well, how does how does it work? Were you actually hired by by the studio by Power Station with a proper contract for like one year, two years, or how did uh, the no, so, so it originally was supposed to shut down really quickly. Um, so it was part time. Now, I mean, part-time in, in the studio world means about 96 hours a week. Um, so we were, right. <laughs> we, we, were still, we, we were doing cra crazy hours, but it was uh, a part-time job. Um, and, and basically- Full-time is 300 reason, hours a week, probably. I, d I, d I didn't <laughs> think what full-time was. Um, but yeah, you, it, it basically, the, the date for renovations kept getting pushed back. Um, so what started off as like a three month gig ended up being, you know, about 18 months altogether, 12, 12 months, 18 months. Um, I mean, New York really doesn't need power station as a space because there just aren't very many large format studios anymore. Um, and you know, if, if you're a Broadway cast and you've got a hundred people, you need a big room. So, you know, the, the date just kept getting pushed back because Broadway needed to record or an orchestra needed to record and, um, or a film. We've got a lot of films coming in that had big orchestras. It got pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And then eventually it, it has had to, it has had to close for renovations for what they're planning to do. Um, but yeah, it was, it I was part-time that whole time because of the weird situation, just doing ridiculous hours. Right. About the visa, yeah. is it as soon as you lose your job, is the visa getting denied or do, do you get it initially for like a fixed period of time? Yeah, I had a fixed period of time. So I, I only had, I had a one year visa um, or about that. It was roughly one year. Um, and I then applied for the artist visa, which is the O1 visa. Um, now, if you read the O1 visa, it looks absolutely impossible to get because it says, you know, you have to have won a Grammy. If you haven't won a Grammy, you know, explain why you haven't won a Grammy. Jesus basically. Christ. Just because. <laughs> um, 
yeah. I'm sorry I missed the uh, date. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but I mean, in reality, a lot of people who are great musicians or contributing have got the O1 visa. And so I applied for that and my case I thought was very strong. You know, I had lots of great albums and all this time at Power Station and great people talking about it. Um, but I, I do think, unfortunately, it's a product of bad timing. You know, it's the opposite of my getting the job. It's bad timing and uh, bad circumstances, unfortunately. Yeah, sorry for you. Really. So what are the chances of you getting back? I, I think I think I'll get back in. It's a, it's a matter of working here for a little bit. I, I imagine I see myself being here at least a year, probably a year. Yeah, which is fine because you have the portfolio, you got, you got the credentials, you finished Berkeley, you worked at Power Station, and now you can do whatever, just build out your studio. If you get the, if you have the, the funds to do so, even if not, what do you need really? Like whatever, whatever you, you plan on doing, if you, if you plan on mixing, mastering for people, then you don't actually need that much, but you got the credentials and it's just only a matter of time. Yeah, I mean, as, as far as I see it, I, uh, I very much got what I wanted and more out of my Berkeley and post-Berkeley experience. So I can't really complain about it. I mean, I worked at, I, I, you know, before I went to Berkeley, if I'd have said I'd have got to work at one of the most famous studios in the world, I, I would have obviously bitten your hand off for that chance. So, I mean, yes, it's ended with my visa application not being accepted, but also like I had a ridiculous year in, year and a bit in New York. So, How was yeah, that? I How was New right. York for you? New York, New York's a super weird. It's a super weird place. I'm from Newcastle. I'm from Newcastle, actually, in the northeast of England. Um, but yes, very different place. <laughs> it's uh, it's very smelly, very <laughs> dirty. Um, kind of like we, Berlin, but but bigger, really? way bigger. Yeah, Berlin's super smelly, super dirty, and poor. Yeah, I mean, a lot of New York's like that. Well, but it's so expensive. I mean, you can think you're walking through a really rough area and, you know, there'll be like three Michelin star restaurants there. It's like, how can this, how can these coincide next to each other? It's a really, it's a, it's a weird city of, of contradictions. Um, but, I, you know, I, I ended up, I loved it by the end. Um, how much was it really rent? does? Um, rent, it's hard to get anything under like 1100, but I split that with my girlfriend. <laughs> well, at least you, you had a possibility to do so. I know. I, I looked for ages actually for re renting is actually a big problem, especially if you're a, a foreigner because you don't have any credit. Um, so I had to basically take anything you could get that's month to month, um, which obviously means you have to pay a little bit more. Um, so it was actually a nightmare finding anywhere to live. I ended up living in this weird warehouse that was still operating as a warehouse. And so really you weren't supposed to be living there. Yeah, warehouse um, slash loft. <laughs> yeah. The, there was just the top, the top floor was home to people and the other three floors were still. And you still had to pay 1100. And you still, and you still had to pay 1100. Yeah. But very cool space. Very cool space, but uh, outrageously expensive. Yeah, that's the same thing happening to Berlin right now. So every, everything yeah. is getting so expensive. But same thing in England, like London, super expensive. But once you get outside, it's actually affordable. Yeah, and I mean, you know, minimum wage in New York is, is something like $15, I think, is the minimum. Yeah. It's, so, I mean, 
the employers know that you have to be able to afford to live there and obviously they're making more profit by being there and so hopefully it all works out at least hypothetically yeah well right now you're back in in england so well right yeah right now i'm in uh, i'm in the northeast currently actually so we're all fine so you're staying there where your parents live right now right um yeah i'm, I'm going to be um i'm probably going to be moving to london i'm actually going next week um my old boss is recording a West End album down there, um, which is happily coinciding with me flat hunting down there. My only problem is, you know, up here I have access to a room big enough for a studio. Down there, I'm not sure that's going to be the case. Um, so I'll have to work that one out. What about clients though? Like, do you have any clients there locally? Um, well, up, up north, obviously, where I'm from, I know a lot more people. Um, I know people in the music industry. So I mean, actually, most of most of my clients still come from New York. Online mixing is what I'm what I'm currently currently doing. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm getting more um, northeast clients as as we go. Sweet. So you're online as well as locally. Yeah, I mean, honestly, most of my work comes through online. Um, locally, I find it, you know, often you have to track the song in order to then mix the song. Um, otherwise online, it's mostly, I mean, yes, you get some, you get a right collection of stuff. <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, you know, they might say mix this song and it ends up really, you, you have to redo a lot of the song. Um, I'm sure you know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have the same business model. I don't track people. I, rarely record anything um, except myself, like a guitar, some funky lines. I mean, I'm not a guitarist, I'm a pianist, but still, and that's basically it. And I don't invite anyone into into my house because it's not built for tracking. So Yeah, well, I'd, I'd actually love to be able to track people because it's what a lot of my experience has been in. Um, well, it's and- a pleasure doing so when you have the facility, the instruments, Ex- the, exactly, the microphones, yeah. and actually, talented guys who play those instruments so that's a whole different yeah. feeling that's well that, that's a different that's a different conversation that one um finding great players is uh, a whole new ball game but yeah i mean I, in, the, in the short term i'm going to be setting up this room and i'm hopefully going to be tracking some people um because it's a great room it's got a fantastic reverb time on it which i'm hoping isn't going to come across in this podcast <laughs> it sounds it good I'll, I'll throw on some yeah. some isotope rx on it I'll get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. should be fine yeah. in the end so <laughs> look looking back on your whole experience going to berkeley and i mean i know what your answer will be and you're 100 <laughs> for like doing like going to university and, and getting experience and and it's remarkable, but not everyone has the track record that you have. Because like I said, I know a lot of people who just crawled outside of uni, um, beat Berkeley. I know I know a girl from Berkeley. She's she's like 70,000 in debt and she didn't finish it. She dropped Good out. Lord. And just like, how is she supposed to pay that back? 20, 25 years by doing what? Because she's not yeah. working as a musician right now um, as she originally planned to. So, and obviously looking on my, like like looking at me and, and my case and people whom I know and we all know online, um, you didn't have to go to university to actually build a career 
in, in our industry. Obviously, you can do it online, you can do it locally, whatever, get some mentors, YouTube, yeah. Udemy, whatever, it's possible. But do you see university in 2019 as a prerequisite? Just your opinion. Obviously, my opinion, no. I just stated it, but what, what's no, no. your stance on it? No, I, d I don't think you could say it was a prerequisite. I mean, it's it's only a prerequisite for very few jobs now. I mean, um, you know, in or out of music. But I, I think you've got you've got to be wary of going to somewhere so expensive that's going to put you in a lot of debt. Um, and so I, I, I certainly wouldn't flat out just say, oh, you know, Berkeley's for everybody. It's absolutely not for everybody. And when you are at Berkeley, you can see people who, you know, you think, okay, well, your heart isn't in this in the way that it just has to be if you're, if you're serious about trying to make the most of, of, of being there. And I think you also, on some level, it is sad, but you, you do have to know your situation. And if you don't get scholarships and if you don't have any support, um, it is going to be a much more difficult route than it is for somebody who does have that support and scholarships. And so the question really is different for different people. So I certainly wouldn't say it's a prerequisite for anything. Is it helpful? I think, yes, I think it's very helpful. And especially if you put the, put the most into it, you can get an awful lot out of it. It, it truly is. It's, you know, it's an oasis for musicians. It's got everything you could possibly dream of, but you know, I think a lot of people come out of there, not a lot better than going in. Um, but you know, then again, five or 10% will be, you know, the, the best of the best if they, if, if, you know, if, if the stars align. So it, it is, it is a game with high risk, but a high reward as well. That's, that's how I, how I see it for sure. And, and obviously you can downplay it. You can, you can bring the risk down with hard work, but you can't get rid of it. At the end of the day, there's always going to be, and unless of course you, you fully funded or, um, you know, I, I guess are doing it for looking at the industry at the state of the music industry right now and just considering that it's it's as much as as science as, as it is an, an art form so people demanding a safety net demanding jobs after they come out of uni is, is kind of not reasonable you know how music people go to university and then they they demand a job like the university to provide for them afterwards, which is not realistic. And it's not, it's not real world. It's not how it works in the real world. No. And I mean, my Berkeley professors didn't get me my job. Somebody that I worked for whilst at Berkeley got me the job. It was, you know, it puts you in the right environment. It, it doesn't guarantee put the, yeah, it doesn't connect the dots for you, but you know, if you look hard enough, hopefully the dots are there to connect. I mean, you can kind of expect it when, when you study medicine because the yeah. the university is investing in you, so you pay it back by working or something like a business degree, which is pretty easy to get a job right out of. But it's not music, you know? Business is, is may, it's maybe hard to study as well, but, but it's way easier to get a job um, as a business guy um, than as a yeah, musician. Definitely. So, I but demanding safety and guarantee out of uni is kind of unreasonable, I find. I, I agree. And I, I think, you know, as far as um, jobs go, there are a few with as little path clear 
as music. I mean, that there just isn't a career path to be followed. Yeah, like like there is with you know medicine or even even working in a bank or something like that. And so that that reduces it even more. I mean, what is the job you're expecting to get? Right, <laughs> um, forty hours a week with benefits. Yeah, exactly. You're not you're not going to get a nine to nine to five with healthcare or whatever in America. <laughs> That'd be nice. Uh, it would be nice. That but would it's just be not going to happen. So not, yeah, everyone would be doing it probably. I mean, I, I guess you go work for a record label in marketing or something. Ah, uh, meh. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, I agree. Yeah, but, but, uh, but also you got to bear in mind in 2019, it's as much entrepreneurship as as being a musician. So you need to 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 get your business down as much as as you as you can be. Yeah, well, actually, that's that's one of the best things I got out of Berkeley was um, the Institute for Creative Entrepreneurship. What which, did it teach you there? Um, so you could do. It was brand new when I arrived. So again, I was lucky. <laughs> um, but they basically partnered with MIT and sometimes Harvard and did um, workshops and classes on how to be a startup and how to treat your music career as a startup. Um, and it was just amazing. I mean, they've they've started, you know, they've produced white papers on musical rights, on uh, transparency in music, um, how we get the money to the artist and how we do it fairly and quickly. Um, and they 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 can they do things like hackathons where, um, so for like a TV channel, they might get a group of people together and say, okay, go go talk to these strangers and create a team and um, try and solve this problem together. Um, and you have twenty four hours to do it. They do stuff like that that really tries to treat um, music as a business, but music as the outside of the box business that it is. Um, so I, I got a lot out of that out of the. Um, into Institute for Creative Entrepreneurship. I, I believe it's still running. Sweet. Do they teach? Do they teach funnels as well? Email marketing? <laughs> um, they. they uh, I don't think they do. Um, they. Why don't? They, why don't universities teach that? I, I ask myself. Like, yeah, I, well, I barely I, I know unis that do that. I think the. Well, actually, I don't think they do. There is a music business section, obviously, but I, I know a friend who came out of the music business section and I don't think he's that into, yeah. he doesn't know that on top of funnels and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, it's super general. Like the, yeah, the, it is. the basics basic. and, and yeah, more dry stuff, but it's not as practical and applicable as like Facebook advertising and building up a brand, which is super important. If, if you teach at least the basics of, of that to to college students, Man, they would come out so much more prepared to. Yeah, I've, to get I've a actually. Job. Um, I don't know whether you know. I think it's called Indepreneur. Indepreneur. That's a. Indepreneur. Indepreneur. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I listen to their podcast sometimes. Uh, they. I think he's very good at explaining yeah. the funnel thing yeah, and the Facebook advertising. And the Six Figure Home Studio by Brian Hood. Shout out. Those guys that, are pretty. That dope. gets that gets advertised to me a lot and. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that means he's he's, 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 he's doing his he's doing his marketing correctly because I probably am his uh, his correct audience. Yeah, but it's actually solid. The content they yeah. they provide is actually good, solid content. Maybe maybe a little fluffy fluff talk, but I mean I, I talk as much. Hard, as to, well. hard, hard to hard to avoid that, isn't it? Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, looking at the future, what are your plans? For the next couple of months, years. Yeah, next couple of months, I'm planning on 
so I'm setting up my space here. I'm going to be recording. I'm also going to be recording my own um, EP here whilst I've got the space. Um, I'm going to continue my mixing and production with my my clients who I have in New York, who uh, you know now know that I've left, so I can't work with, with them directly <laughs> there. But but I can I can still do that online. <clears throat> and then uh, in the you know in in the looking at the year ahead, I'm I'm hoping to start working more in London. Um, it would be great to get in a another studio because I loved my experience at Power Station, so it would be fantastic to get into. Next stop, uh, Abbey Roads. Next, I'll let, yeah, I'll uh, I'll drop you a line when I'm when I'm at Abbey Road. <laughs> What do you think? How, how hard is it to to get into Abbey Roads nowadays? Well, impossible, right? I I, th I think it's impossible. I actually worked with the Abbey Road people at Power Station, but I think that might be as close as I get. Um, they they were there do, they were there doing a film, so I I was uh, ass assisting on that. But yeah, I think that's pretty much a closed shop. Um, but you know, there's hundreds of studios in London. And in the long run, I I want to be able, I want to be reasonably self sufficient anyway. So uh, and that's the right way know, to do. I, yeah, like and, I said, you got the portfolio, the, you got the name. Exactly, and and I think unfortunately the names do help um, because you know artists don't understand um, mixing as much as they understand names of other artists. Yeah, um, and so unfortunately, I think that does help, um, and. I mean, to be less cynical, I just, you know, it's a great experience working in a studio like that. It is great fun. So I would like to do that again for that reason. Um, and you learn a ridiculous amount. You just, you know, you, you don't learn analog gear anywhere else the yeah. way you do that. So it's funny how, how people will say like, this UAD plugin doesn't sound as much as the real thing. I'm like, what did you try now <laughs> the real thing? And they're like, I didn't. <laughs> I like, how can you compare like two different plugins? Uh, like in regards to the analogness like what the fuck if i never I use a real distressor i will never say like i i this is uh, this sounds more like i had this guy debate on on facebook that the uad shadow hills doesn't sound as good as this i don't know as sk <laughs> notes shadow hills i'm like okay where's the real one why did you try it out yeah. she's like so i just compared those two i'm like how like what's the reference I know. Just send send me the uh, send me the audio files, and then we can talk about it. <laughs> if not, if 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 not, then I've got no interest in this argument. Right. Um, I'm very much like that. What's your niche um, mixing wise? What do you mix the most? Is it rock, pop, um, folk? It's generally like electro pop, like um, Banks type stuff, um, Halsey kind of kind of. Um, it's reasonably middle of the road electro pop is what nice. I, I seem to do a lot of, uh, but I'm actually a I'm actually a folk folk rock artist, so I also do a bit of that. Um, partly from people who know me as an artist, and and also just because I you know I have those instruments and I play those instruments, and um, so yeah, it's a, it's a I swing between those two genres really. Cool, nice, love those. Yeah, no no, no funky house, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it's cool. Uh, I mean, have have you heard of Astor, ASTR? They're pretty much from New York, as far as I know. They make pretty much in, indie, indie pop, indie something, but they're pretty dope. Like the music, the production, the atmosphere. Man, That's I just really, listened yeah. to them again after like a couple of years not listening to them yesterday and they have a bunch of new stuff out. Pretty much your AS, alley. ASTR, you say? Yeah. Like Esther, oh, yeah, Esther no, Gardens. Yeah, you should you should check them out. Yeah, I will check them out. How 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 did you how did you get into uh, 
funk the 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 uh the electro funk stuff that you do well it has a long long backstory um my dad has been collecting vinyl and cassettes back in Kazakhstan when everything was super rare and you couldn't get those <laughs> that cool. simply you know <laughs> especially before 91 when it was still the UdSSR and I was born in 91 uh, actually when when it disbanded but he had a bunch of um ABBA and like 70 funk Boney M Prince those kind of vinyl and cassettes so I I listened to those since I was a child basically mm -hmm. and I started playing piano when I was nine still in Kazakhstan and then I came over to Germany and I just played piano and then I saw the Daft Punk um, anime the Interstellar in 2001 which they released oh, yeah. with their album and that was this just flashed me um, right out of the bat um, it was such an such a such an experience such a journey like watching mm -hmm. the anime like being this little 11 year old child and listening to the music <laughs> and since I, I didn't even listen to like hip-hop is i did listen to some hip-hop it's not mine at all i went this yeah. french house funk route because i had that in me i still listen to some eminem and things like that so that was yeah. the funk stuff was in me all the way up until i was um grown up but I started making music with 14, I guess, when I saw Ryan Leslie do those music production videos on YouTube. YouTube was still super young, 2004, 2005, 2006, or actually it was Viddler before YouTube. Um, and he put was out this, yeah, Viddler, 2004. Oh <laughs> um, and he, he put out those videos on on there and that, that just, just touched me like on a different level, it's just, you probably know this as a musician, like this higher feeling of like being drawn to to sounds, especially as a child, yeah. when, when your hormones are playing like, and your dopamine res response is like crazy <laughs> to everything that's new and like kind of, but I didn't know how to do that. I downloaded, I, I don't know, it was Dance EJ seven or eight, I don't know. And then it was Fruity Loops three and I just tried to, to build beats and I just did that, but, if uh -huh. you remember back then we didn't have that many tutorials and resources we had manuals no. and that's it there wasn't a youtube at all like how many youtube channels are there right now to to learn stuff hundreds if not thousands of, of educational channels back then we didn't have anything so i fucked around for so many years with just reading manuals of like fruity loops and Chameleon 5000 synthesizer, <laughs> DX. And, uh, it, it, I mean, so FM synthesizer. Try to learn FM with just a manual being like 16, 17. God. So that was um, like my experience. And I just, school, always been in, in like music clubs, playing piano concerts. Um, I actually played theater a couple of years as well. All this musical fun stuff and got to know people made music and different projects, played piano, played concerts, still do sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and then when I started to go actually full time, not full time, but tried to make my way in this industry, I did everything. Like the first, first two years I did hip hop, EDM, like every second guy 
who would come to me for production would say, hey, can we produce a track like Justin Bieber? Or can we produce a track like the Chainsmokers, you know, Closer? <laughs> yeah. And all this feature-based yeah. nonsense three year, three to four years ago. And before that, it was Progressive House and Skrillex. So I did everything. Like I listened to dubstep. I learned a lot of sound design. Nerds, you know, sitting behind <laughs> computers and learning. So that's, I missed much, much of my youth, like being outside and doing shit. So I sat behind my computer and fucked around with, with software and learned a lot. Um, but I didn't know how to do that, how to get into all this funk stuff since I was still listening to it and enjoying it a lot and producing it for myself. But like, I didn't see the the demand in, in the industry. But then, yeah. but then with artists like, and if you remember, there's always every single year, there's someone who's doing a lot of people doing funk and being successful and being in the top 10 and, and making yeah. money. And, and then it's, it became it's really boomed. Yeah. And then it became even more like Bruno, Bruno Mars, Charlie Puth, um, Calvin Harris, a lot of guys doing, I mean, how awesome was Bruno Mars last album? I mean, incredible, yeah, incredible work. And then I talked to, to Daniel Grimmett, um, who's like the the godfather of online work. So his his company songwriting team, he founded that in, I don't know, 2012, probably. So six, seven years ago. And he, he was one of the first guys to, to do that for online route with SEO and like actually getting work online. So he put out a course on Udemy, which I bought mm -hmm. for like 15 bucks. <laughs> Um, yeah. on sale and I didn't expect much from it, but then I, I, I watched it and it actually was super, super solid because he told about how to build a website, how to actually get clients, where to get clients. And he was legit. So I started doing that, um, got my website, got my portfolio and just started to niche down slowly, started to niche down, um, position myself as the go-to guy for anything funk related, funk, pop. Yeah house whatever whatever it is you're not worried you might get you know what happens if you ever get sick of because uh, i wonder about this if if i end up doing one genre for too long what if you get sick of it yeah i enjoy i enjoy more than funk i mean production wise i can do way more than just funk because i did it already so um there's way more to just funk because funk is, is, is just just a word right i mean i enjoy jazz a lot yeah, so yeah. i might do that and go full nerd you know and just do that <laughs> and just, <laughs> or there's there's pop music, there's more EDM mixed with anything funk or just pure pop music or actually indie, indie whatever. Like I used to listen to to Lights, if you know her, she's from yeah, Canada. I used yeah, to listen to, to Lights a lot and I enjoyed her. I don't know what's the name, but it's like the old most famous album. And I enjoy it a lot as well. So if I get tired of it, I'll find something else. I also enjoy like scoring a lot. Okay. Not, yeah. not traditional scoring or like epic, upbeat, you know, those those trailer music uh, <laughs> guys, because that's pretty much oversaturated, but like more yeah. more cinematic 70s slasher movies scoring. Um, yeah, like John I mean, there's Carpenter. a bit of that. There's a bit of that going on currently. Yeah, people, yeah. I think, I think people are finally getting sick of Hans Zimmer. Yeah, all this, all this little synth wave is coming back, creeping, creeping it is, in. Yeah, yeah. It definitely. But I is. mean, Hans Zimmer, legendary, 
but how oh, how, how many yeah. how many years was he dominating the industry? Like fifteen years straight up, dominating. Well, it, it's 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 also how many people you know he's he's come to define the cinema sound so much that it's hard for people not to sound like right. him now. I think he left I mean, a I think deep that's the biggest deep problem. footprint in the ass of yeah of the whole industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he certainly did. So yeah, that that's my little my little story. Yeah, yeah, nothing special in that regard, but still kind of cool. No, it's it's super interesting. I think there's, you know, it, it is kind of what everyone's striving for as an engineer is to find some kind of niche that keep gives them a a, a creative yeah. outlet and, and a you, living you at the need, same time. You need to niche down sooner or later because yeah. I always say to to friends of mine, engineer friends of mine, just don't spread out too much. First of all, you will not get the very best you can get if if you just spread your energy like into eight different things and doing eight yeah. different genres or whatever just pick one and be very good at it and people um clients they want to hire specialists they, they don't want to hire the jack of all trades guy yeah. who do ev who does everything um because there's already more than enough of those guys like hey mixing mastering everything producing everything reamping everything just holla at me <laughs> you know i'm like Nah, yeah. because people want to go to to the best guy for that, whatever they want to do. Yeah, well, you do. I mean, you want examples for one thing, and you just quite simply won't have the depth of examples to show somebody if you haven't got done the work in that niche. And uh, and people, you know, work begets work. I think in that manner. So uh, exactly. You know, the more electro, more electro pop you do, the more electro pop you get. One hundred percent. That's what it is. Yeah. And actually. If you position yourself that way, you you have more leverage while working with clients because you're not just just a tool that they use remotely to to fix their shit. Mm -hmm. You're actually yeah true yeah, yeah. yeah you're just not a not a remote like team viewer mixing engineer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like fix my shit. You're actually a problem solver, and business is just that you are solving a specific problem for a client and the bigger the problem is to solve the the more money you get the more respect you get the higher it gets paid in the end yeah just because not the everyone not, not everyone can do that what what you what you can do and you will not achieve that unless you specialize in something no i completely agree and that's my my little marketing um <laughs> lesson for today <laughs> all right bro too little yeah. I'm sorry I'm saying bro. I'm just so used to talking to to bro people, you know, and just It's actually Are you trying to say I'm are you trying to say I'm not a bro person? Dude, you 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 you're a brother. <laughs> it no, just I'm, I'm, I'm I was, way, way I was, too English. Yeah, I always enjoy talking to people um whose English is actually very good because it pulls me up to their level because if I talk to people who are not native English speakers, I kind of get I kind of get pulled down to their level of English. I'm like the I need to dumb down every sentence I do just to appeal to them. Yeah, your English, your English is ridiculously good. <laughs> I didn't. I, didn't, I hadn't even really hadn't even really dawned on me. I was talking. Yeah, to I, I learned. A, a, I learned on the internet, person. mom. <laughs> yeah, YouTube, YouTube. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I enjoy I enjoy it a lot. If I talk to people who are natively English speakers, English, not American English, because that's kind of, you know how it is, like this LA typical, yeah, but yeah, yeah. swallow 50% of what they say. 
Sorry, know, let's sorry, LA friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I enjoy British English actually a lot, and you don't. You can just call it English, I think. <laughs> yeah, but like then, then, then US people would piss on me. I know. I was being yeah. facetious. <laughs> <laughs> so I get two more, two more questions. I guess I don't know if the last one applies to you, but I ask ask the question everyone. But two two questions, and then we might end up for today because I already need to pick up my wife. Her car died, and she's waiting on yeah. me. So uh, oh. first question is: What's one thing you bought that's 150 euros, I guess, um, or pound, whatever it is for you, or below? that helped you with your workflow over the last six to eight months or whatever, a year mm. maybe. Whatever it is, VST, actually tool, uh, massage Probably seat. Probably the, uh, I actually, <laughs> I could do with a massage seat. My back is terrible. Um, I'd say probably the, the fab filter stuff. I'm not sure how much it actually was, but with the, student discount it probably wasn't that much more than 150 right 50% discount i think did you get everything to people uh, i got the mixing one right so um, you got the pro q3 so, I mean, yeah well no i got it before the three oh, came out which right. is absolutely devastating <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they don't offer you a free upgrade either which is annoying um but i i used the q2 on you know almost everything um I use the compressor. I mean, I, I use everything that they that they do. Yeah, it's um, awesome. I use Saturn on all so of my good. buses to to excite. I use it like an EQ, actually. It's just uh, yeah. I just move the bands and excite whatever whatever band I need. That's pretty awesome. And the Pro Q, I obviously. Also, yeah, I also use the the Saturn thing. I find quite good for inspiration sometimes if I'm struggling um, more more on the production end. Yeah, and just kind of kind of play around with that and randomize it a little bit. You know, one in every ten times, I'll I'll find something that I, that changes the direction of the track yeah. in a way that I like. Well, you can you can you can, since you produce India Electric, you can destroy like analog bleeps oh, and loops. I do a I lot. Do, I do. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun. It's a it's a rabbit hole though. You can end up you know eight hours later and you're still <laughs> you're still on that Mom. one synth with Saturn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, the fab filter stuff, I just said, has to be. I mean, the sound toys as well. I mean, I think everyone is on this bandwagon at this point. But, yeah. you know, some some of the stuff that sound toys do is... Uh, yeah, some, it's, it's awesome. It's top notch. All right, last questions. And I'm, I'm gonna... Let me do it this way. I'll ask it for US and for your country. So for US, since you've been one year in the US and you're out of it with the government mm -hmm. shutdown and stuff like that... If you met President Trump privately oh for like five, don't get me in trouble. Five minutes, private, completely <laughs> privately, without anyone there, what would you ask him? What would you say to him? How is this not going to get political? Um, <laughs> oh oh Just, my God! What would I ask Trump? Um, I mean, can you politely you ask talk him about? to leave? What would I talk about? Um, depends what, I mean, I kind of feel like if he's on a room on his own with you, he might tell you whether the Russia thing was true. So I guess maybe ask him that. <laughs> um, um, I really don't know what Trump is. There's so many, um, you know, loaded right, things right. with Trump. That and that's, I think, that's, I think I'd that's on my end, that's on purpose. That's one stingy question that I ask people and just... To, yeah, to... I mean, I, I'm sure... 
I'm sure you can uh, kind of guess my views on <laughs> right <laughs> um but yeah i think five minutes is nowhere is either nowhere near enough or way too much time <laughs> to spend with him <laughs> right how are you affected by the brexit though like how do you feel about it i mean i think it's i think it's so stupid um i think people were missold um it actually happened so i was in america when it happened and i, I don't think anyone in britain really thought it was going to happen Yeah. Um you know, all, everyone all like, "Ah, oh, let's were... vote." Yes. Yeah, and I mean it happened originally because um it was basically to quieten down the backbenchers. And it's like, "Okay, we'll have this vote and then all of the backbenchers will be on side because we've done what you wanted us to do." And then obviously, you know, four years later and we're in quite the hole about it. Yeah. Um I I mean, I have sympathy for for the, the prime minister because yeah. um it's not it's not a job she wanted to do um and i think it's a lo- it's a lose lose situation really but i think a lot of people regret it now where it gets getting I serious think they, i think they i think they do but there's also you know there's a lot of people who voted remain who are now just like okay if we should just bloody leave like this is going on so long we have to do it now and i i i'm not sure a second referendum would um would be stay i think it might be leave because i think a lot of people have become soured by the whole process and you know it's it's been a bit it's increased tension between the rest of europe and britain um and i mean obviously i'm i'm a bit younger so i mean my generation isn't the ones who voted for brexit i mean if you ask most younger younger british people we feel european um it's you know it's the the people above a certain age that that certainly never have felt european and yeah what they're yeah, fucking it, it up for, for the newer generations i agree i mean it's on the news 24/7 here um it's the equivalent of trump in the us um but yeah i th- i think i think it's a little bit a little bit of a worrying political climate currently across the board i, I don't think you, it's not just the uk and the us i think it's a it's whole of europe know, it's, a, it's a phenomenon Everyone. exactly it's it's a it's uh almost a worldwide yeah, phenomenon. It is. It goes way beyond the borders of just UK or just Europe. Yeah. It's, it's Yeah, I think I think I think globalism has got to a point where people you know, it was always going to get to a point where people have are scared by the uh the new the new global nature of the world. Um it's I guess it's how we then deal with it from here. Yeah. And and we'll see. Well, we'll let's see. let's hope for the best, man. I'm really hoping let's, for the let's best. Let's hope for the best. Yeah. Otherwise, that wasn't supposed to sound that wasn't supposed to sound negative. <laughs> <laughs> no. Otherwise, uh I'll just come over, get a new MacBook and just fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <Cheaply>. <laughs> so that's cool. Yeah. All right. Um where can people hear from you, see more of you, um maybe hire you even for mixing? Uh yeah, I have a website which is uh, joshuaetaylor.com. Um and I am on Instagram, but I don't use it. Well, I do use it, but I don't post that much, which is bad. I should which do. Which you should. Yeah, uh, which is probably. again. Actually, it's it's joshua.e.taylor. Yeah, I'll put it um, in the description as, I, as well. Thanks. And as a as an artist, I'm actually under Elliot Taylor, which is my middle name, so I I post a lot on Instagram with that account. Right. And I'll put that in the description yeah. as well. So <laughs> brother <laughs> proper Make, making work making work for you here <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot for coming on um i appreciate it a lot thanks thanks a lot for, for all the me. valuable information anytime 
And yeah, yeah thanks a lot. And talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs>